Hey there, welcome to the Film Fan Club live stream. I'm Sam Carrico. Thanks so much for joining me. Today we're going to talk about, oh, this is the second installment of our Mission Matinee series. Got to get the branding in there. Uh, Mission Matinee, where we talk about every Mission Impossible movie leading up to Mission Impossible, I think it's seven, I don't know. The Dead Reckoning movie is coming out. We're going to talk about everyone leading up to that. I've got two people with me, and let me try and remember their intros. If he was any more woke, he would be a college student on Adderall cramming for a midterm final. John Lynn. Hey, John. Howdy, howdy. All right. The next one's not as uh, dramatic. We got Zack Snyder's number one fan, Alex McKellar. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's me, baby. Love, oh, love, how, love the snide. I'm a huge snide head. Oh, I should have thought of that. That's great. The snide. <laughs> snide about the snide. Oh, that's good. How are you guys? You guys doing well? Yeah, we're doing good. What have you Hanging been out. Doing? Been watching great movies with tom cruise in them so having a great time <laughs> so you, you could say you haven't lost exactly yeah um can't lose did, did you watch the dead reckoning trailer i guess we could talk i haven't yet so this is not something that i'm prepared for i should have for this i, I really it would have been a good clip <laughs> but how do you guys feel though uh, john how do you feel about the, the the dead reckoning trailer that came out this week it was cool i mean there's a lot of stuff it's it's interesting watching it and seeing clips that's that like shit, how do I say this? They foreshadow, I guess, reveal that there are they're doing things that are kind of callbacks to the earlier movies, like there like there's a action scene on top of a train, right? Yeah. That's similar to in one, they have that whole action scene on top of the train. And so it's they're doing it in a similar but in a new scene that's I, I'm like super looking forward to. Uh, Alex and I were were spitballing that it's about religion and how religion is bad. Coming <laughs> from Tom Cruise, that's a, a choice. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Abrahamic religions. Yeah, that's because Scientology is correct. It, it's not a religion; it's the truth. It's true. Oh, yeah. It's just what happened. But just like centrism uh, isn't an ideology in and of itself; it's just seeing the world right. as it is. Gotcha. It just okay. is reality. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, that, that's just normal. Yes, exactly. Gotcha. Uh, Alex, what did you think of the trailer more broadly? Oh, I yeah, both of the trailers that we've gotten, I've enjoyed a whole lot. I mean, obviously, I'm hyped for Kittredge to be back. That's been, like, probably my most hyped thing from the trailers. Other than, like, I mean, obviously, it looks like some crazy stunts are going to happen. Um, I mean, like, these movies being, like, half about, you know, Ethan Hunt doing crazy stuff and then also half about Tom Cruise doing crazy stunts. Yeah. <laughs> like, they released, uh, like, a, like, a short documentary a few months ago about that motorcycle jump at the end and like all the work that Tom put into it and then like doing the jump like six or seven times. And so it's like, <clears throat> I'm already pretty hyped for just the ridiculous set pieces that are gonna go down in seven. I mean, <clears throat> with like from like the Fallout trailer was something I was really hyped for, but they did a good job with that trailer of like showing you stuff that then was done differently in the movie. So I'm kind of expecting like, some of the little things we've seen conversations to be like edited in a way to where when we see it in the movie, we'll be like, Oh dang, that's what was going on. Oh, cool. So it's like that mission possible series, at least while it's been under the helm of McQuarrie has been good about making exciting trailers that don't actually spoil the movie. So it's like, it's going to be, it's hard to know exactly what's going to happen, but it looks, looks pretty cool. That's cool. It is, is, 
Dead Reckoning 1 and 2, is that supposed to be like a finale type of thing? Or is it just such a big <clears> story <throat> that they're just doing two parts? I, I'm not sure. I, cause, so after 6, like I was reading that Macquarie had an idea for the next script. And he was pretty sure that that was going to be a two-parter. But it, it wasn't like talked about as if this is like the send-off of the Mission Impossible series or potentially... You know, since the first half of the movies, as you know, we'll talk about as we go through, we're all different directors. Right. Because we, uh, I don't know if like after this, Tom may be like, all right, I'm going to find a different action director. Or if this is just sort of like, oh, yeah, when I came to the project, I had these ideas and now we're hitting like the peak of that arc and it's going to be two parts. Not really sure. But yeah, I mean, Tom and Macquarie have been working together for a long time now. Like, they did Top Gun Maverick. They've done some other stuff, so it's... Did they do Top Gun Maverick? Mm-hmm. I thought, for some reason, the director of Tron did Top Gun Maverick. Tron Legacy. Hang on. Go ahead. You uh, say something, I was like, on. Yeah, I was like, Chris Macquarie definitely helped write that one if he didn't also direct. Oh, he helped wrote, write it. He didn't. It was directed. I was correct, though. He was, it was okay, directed yeah. by the director of Tron Legacy, but uh, Chris McCory was, like, one of a few writers on that movie. Okay, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. <clears throat> Trailer looks good, you would say. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm hyped. I'm on that hype train going into the tunnel, and then maybe even falling off the bridge as it explodes. <laughs> but I'm still excited. <laughs> that was funny. The bad guy seems cool. I don't know what the actor's name is or what the character's name is, but he seems cool. That guy that's like, he's talking about whatever that crazy laser light show is. He seems yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> looks like, <clears throat> it also looks like we're going to have a couple bad guys. There's like the guy with the glasses that throws the poison bombs. And then, yeah, uh, he's got the that main crazy bad gas guy. mask thing. Yeah, and then some, it seems like there's some ninja lady with a sword. I don't know, but, you know, like, Rebecca Ferguson's back, Vanessa Kirby's back, Kittredge is back. So, you know, a lot of familiar faces coming back for the seventh movie. Have, have I met Rebecca Ferguson yet? No, she shows up later in, like, five and six. But it's, like, okay. it's exciting to see... Some of these characters, like not just Luther coming back, like we're starting to build other team members who continue to cycle back into the movies. Yeah, I like Vanessa Kirby as well. She was great in The Crown, and I think she was in a movie uh, with Shia LaBeouf where her she has a, like a miscarriage or like a she gives mm. ah, it's, it's a pregnancy gone wrong, but it's like a character piece that Vanessa Kirby was in, and it was so good. I cannot remember what the name of that movie was though. It was on Netflix. It was right whenever we were not allowed to like. Shia LaBeouf anymore because so they had like the, I remember the Oscars campaign was was very like isn't this movie great let's just ignore you know yeah the other half it's of it good, it's a good movie but don't notice who's in it don't notice who's in it except for <laughs> Vanessa Kirby because she was very good right. all right um yeah Mission Impossible 2 is why we're here today the movie came out in 2000 they switched up <clears throat> excuse me they switched up uh um the director from the previous one the guy who did Scarface can't remember the name for some reason um De Palma? Brian De Palma. Brian De Palma, thank you. Uh, they switched out Brian De Palma for John Woo. Uh, John Woo is also a, a, a pretty respected director in his own right, so I was excited to see how it changes. Um, but I guess we could just go broadly. I have the Wikipedia article here, which we'll go through scenes in a second. But John, what did you think about this movie, uh, having rewatched it recently, broadly comparing it to the first one? You know, it's it's interesting. When I watched them all, maybe in college, I think, I remember not really liking to because it's so different aesthetically, tonally, like it's super different from the first one. 
And I remembered like just kind of knee-jerk reactioning to that. Uh, but in this watch through, I was like, I loved it. <laughs> like I kind of loved number two. It's super weird. Uh, the action scene is all, you know, cl- classic John Woo, slow-mo, kung fu kind of stuff. Uh, all the shots are very dramatic. Uh, it's super horny. The whole movie is super horny. Uh, <laughs> and the music is very 2000s, which is bad, but also kind of, like, adorable. <laughs> uh, and also I have headcanon that I guess I won't get into now in the broad strokes. We'll wait till we get into the nitty gritty of that movie. <laughs> I wonder what it could be. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, uh, jumping off of that, John, I, I I did think it was a little bit of a step down from the first movie. I still liked it a lot. Uh, it was a step down, though. I think right now I prefer the first one um, by a bit, though. Uh, but Alex, I'm curious to hear what you think comparing the two. Oh, I yeah, I definitely, I've always liked. Am I Mission Impossible 2? Like, I again, I grew up on these two movies, so like each one is great, but Mission Impossible 1 is just better. It's like tighter, it's smarter, it's having way fun. We don't spend a lot of time just looking longingly at the sunset in the Australian outback. Yeah, instead, we're like, we're just doing stuff, but I do, I do still like to a whole lot. Um, and you know, we'll get into it. Uh, you know, one thing I like grew on me more because I watched it like after we streamed last week to get ready, and then I was able to watch it again last night. And uh, watching it last night while having a couple delicious IPAs, I was like, I, it's weird to me still that they got Limp Biscuit to do the Mission Impossible theme. <laughs> and, like, it's, like, not great. But at the same time, it, like, kept growing on me, those, like, deep bass guitar. Dun, 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 dun. I was like, dang it, it kind of, like, I was all going to just talk shit on it. But now I'm like, it does kind of, I kind of like it. I kind of like it a little bit. <laughs> Now the classic is so much better though. Oh, I thought it was, way a, it was very off-putting because like the subtitles um, uh, coming out of the cold open, I, I, I had the subtitles on and it play, mm. and it showed on screen before I could hear the music. Mission Impossible theme plays. So and having the numerous needle drops in the previous movie, I was ready. Oh, I was yeah. anticipating, and they played the different one, and I was like, "What? <laughs> yeah, I did not no, like that." that. Yeah, the first one is way better, but it's just maybe it's because I've seen it so many times and it just started to become like John said, adorable. I was like, man, you're like you tried so hard to be cool movie and it's so embarrassing, but like parts of it are kind of fun still. All right, I see you're having fun. I guess I'm having fun too. Limp Biscuit is playing the the Mission Impossible theme song. <laughs> um. I guess we could jump right into the the, the, the plot now with our uh, mm. cold open. And I was struck. I read the plot description going into the film. So I was already like, oh, my gosh, this reminds me of something that happened recently. And then <laughs> they go full on like, like, you know, biological weapon leading it, lead, lead it, letting it escape and all that stuff. And just so and then obviously the uh, the fake Ethan Hunt introducing this thing that which is very Chekhovian of them. To be like, oh, look, there's, we could take off fake faces and, and masks and whatnot. Remember that. It'll come back later. Ethan uh, and... can be impersonated, too. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Which that was, a, that was a fun reveal. I did like the fun reveal and the, uh, the escape from the, the plane leading. Oh, and then also catching up where Ethan Hunt is. And obviously Tom Cruise just being a badass, you know, climbing rocks like you do. They say this yeah. line like 50 times in the film, too. He's like, well, you, I'm on vacation. Why didn't you tell me? Because then it wouldn't be a vacation. Ayo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I do like the um, 
Is this where I didn't hear him say it? Uh, does, does, is this the your mission? Should you choose to accept it? Is that where this comes from, or does this does that come from this? That happens that's, in the first one too. Yeah, okay, I didn't I think, hear that. I think that's the line um, from the show. I think oh, your okay. mission, should you choose to accept it, like that was like has always been part of the Mission Impossible lore or the IMF operating procedure. So I was very struck by how. Like the movie No Time to Die, like you, I, I feel like if this movie was being made in 2019, released in 2020, they would have reshot large portions of this film to change things to make it a little bit less. <laughs> oh, coronavirus! How how surprised were you by it? Did you see the the references going in? Did they catch you by surprise when you rewatched this time? Uh, and then just the whole cold open, everything before the titles. What did you think? Uh, I mean, I had forgotten that. That was the overarching plot of the movie, the whole uh, viral contagion and cure thing. Um, so I didn't really, I didn't like know I was in for it going in. And then it happened and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I wonder how that's going to like expand as we go on further into the movie. Um, uh, it's the cold open itself is super good. I mean, I love. The um, like we, you know, you think it's, you think it's Ethan Hunt doing a job, and we're gonna like see Ethan Hunt and his team get the the Russian scientist or whatever yeah. to wherever he's going, and then it turns out it's not Ethan Hunt, and actually a whole bunch of people on the plane are bad guys, <laughs> and then they <laughs> crash the plane into the side of a mountain. <laughs> That scene where the guy's like trying to pull up, guys. and he's trying to pull up, and he can, and you think he's gonna, and then he does, he's not able to at the nah, last he minute. He's never gonna. Come on, man. Well, they make, they make <laughs> you play it like 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 he's like, oh no, uh, he reaches. And it's, oh man. Anyways, too late. Uh, Alex, too late. quite quite a cold open though. It is. Yeah. I um again, it's like you know, this is one of those that I'd seen just dozens of times growing up, but I still I do love that. Like, you know, you get, uh, you know, they call him Dimitri. Um, but like you get Ethan or, you know, not Ethan, you get Ambrose as Ethan. Right. But he's still like doing a good job. You know, like there, there's sort of some banter between them when the oxygen mask comes down, like you're kind of like, oh, something's weird. And the scientist after he's like, are you worried? He's like, not yet. And you're kind of like, well, that is something Ethan would probably be right. like, he'd still be like, yeah, we can figure this out. You know, no worries. But then I do love when he's like, you keep calling me Dimitri. You really shouldn't. And then he just like wrecks him and you're like, what's happening? Yeah. Takes off the mask. And it's like, oh, wild. And then to move into that, I just adore forever Tom Cruise free climbing in the desert, getting up to the top. And then they shoot a rocket at him that delivers sunglasses. And that's how he gets his mission. It's just like, it's like so ridiculous. It just tosses them and they explode. And then into the great, you know, obvious intro. But yeah, just, you know, it's, it's a little bit sillier. It's like it's having more fun, even though yeah. it's like still very serious than like the first one is. Like the first one's fun, but this one's like, oh yeah, we're out here free soloing. We're gonna he's got cool sunglasses. We're a very cool movie. But uh it also is, you know, it's it's not taking itself too seriously. We're having a good time. And I like I like that. But it does already feel very different from like the uh the first movie. Like you yeah. can see the different directorial influences. I mean, even in the self-destruct thing, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. In the first movie, the tape that self-destructs 
John Voight covers it up by smoking a cigarette, and he it just like covers the smoke smell, right? In this movie, Tom Cruise throws the sunglasses <laughs> away to camera, and they explode in a fireball. Yeah, yeah. Like, We're not doing subtlety, man. No, it's <laughs> this a huge... John Mission Impossible. Right. Yeah, it's gotta <laughs> be big. Yeah, cool. It's gotta be melodramatic, and as we'll find out, it's gonna be horny. <laughs> hearing Anthony Hopkins' voice doing the narration, I was like, "Is that Anthony fucking Hopkins?" Yeah, I was. I was so surprised. I was like, "What a get!" Getting the as the new IMF director. Uh, that's that's great, uh, Anthony Hopkins. I thought that was fantastic. I hope he sticks around. Um, uh, so IMF director Swan Beck, speaking of, informs Ethan about Ambrose's wrongdoings and tasks him with recovering the virus and its cure. He has him recruit. Tandy Newton. Uh, Tandy Newton. Is it Tandy or Thandy? I don't know. Uh, uh, where did I? I lost my spot. Fuck. All right. Professional thief presently operating in uh, Seville, Spain, and Ambrose's ex-girlfriend. Despite her initial reluctance, Ethan gets her to trace Ambrose to Sydney, Australia. I think I've skipped a bunch because I think the Wikipedia articles kind of broad strokes. Mm. Uh, but because uh, I know that they meet, meet, meet up, Ethan is pretending to be the head of security or he is the head of security? He's like... Explain that like, scene to me. Yeah, so I, I mean, I love that too because like he's so they're at this party. They walk in slow motion and like are like, "Oh, you're hot, you're hot too." Right. You know, and then she like disappears, and he's like, "Oh, that was crazy." They go up, and she's breaking into this rich guy's safe that's next to his bathtub for some reason, and uh, <laughs> you know, they're very flirty. They're very we're both attractive and we're competent. And then yeah, so like she goes, she steals the necklace. Just the thing that triggers the alarm, and then yeah, Ethan is like his the head security engineer. I don't remember what his name is in it, uh, Mr. Keys or something like that. Yeah, he's just, he, I mean, he's just been placed as the security engineer, and now he's you know, like, oh yeah, we think it should go off at a lighter load. How does this sound, Miss Hall? And she's like, oh, that I guess that works, you know. So he gets her out of there, they give the necklace back, and then uh he shows her that like oh she didn't actually mess up he triggered the alarm um uh, you know that, that she's like passed this test to be recruited but she just leaves and then we get a fun driving on the cliffs scene where like they flirt race with each other and then nearly crash and die yeah that kind of pissed me off i was like what fucking idiots like <laughs> come on i loved the scene in the bathtub that was so flirty so sexy mm -hmm. i liked that that was really fun and she's like you mind if i be on top i'm like "Ooh, she's fun <laughs> like her and then but yeah then they do it again later another oh aren't they both so fun and free-spirited and flirting with each other i'm like you know you almost killed several people like <laughs> it did bother me yeah so, you've uh, never fallen in love with a woman as your cars crashed into each other and spun around on the edge of a cliff like you've never just locked eyes and <laughs> can't that doesn't feel realistic to you <laughs> Can't say I have. Um, there's something else uh, I was going to say, but I can't remember what it was. John, uh, Thandy Newton's uh, introduction. Uh, so, firstly, I looked it up, and it's Tandy Way Newton. Okay, Tandy Newton. Tandy Way Newton. That's just... Are you saying her middle name out loud? No, her la her first oh, name Tandy is... Way. Oh, Tandy Way. Oh. Tandy Way. Formerly credited as Tandy Newton. Ah, uh, that, I didn't see that one. I know her from Norbit, the movie Norbit. She is the love interest <laughs> in the movie Norbit. <laughs> and I remember reading her 
in the credits and be like, oh, Thandy Newton. But mm-hmm. then I, then the, yeah, anyway, whatever. I mean, I've been calling her Thandy Newton for the last like week and a half. <laughs> yeah. Tandaway Newton's introduction scene. Uh, I think the, the party is crazy. And this, the party is where the horny really comes in hard. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, they do the whole, like, Spanish guitar oh, and the yeah. women in red dresses doing, like, tap dancing or whatever that's called. I want to say flamenco, but I'm not sure if that's right. Salsa, maybe? Well, the music, too, whenever they're, like, in the bathtub together, it's like a porno music. It's like... (laughs) And there's that scene where they, like, see each other from across the crowd, and they're, like... The the shot composition for it is, like, that they are cut out and almost... uh, um, Like, at a different frame rate, or, like, like, moving through time at differently than the background. Yeah, Right. They're, like, another separate layer from the background and all the people. And they're like a step closer to the camera or something, uh, and it's like, oh man, that shit is classic two thousands across oh, the room eye lock yeah. stuff. Uh, and then Ethan helping her to accomplish her job, but then double crossing her. I really like how her response when he reveals that he was never going to let her get away with it is just to be like, oh, "Fuck you, then," and she leaves, <laughs> and he has to chase her. And then her response when he chases her is like. No, still fuck you. And she tries to, like, run him off the road. And that moment where she crashes into his car the first time, and we see Ethan's little, like, oh, shit, this is serious. And he puts on his seatbelt. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm trying to find out. I'm trying to figure. You mentioned another Anthony Hopkins scene, but I don't see it just yet. I'll just keep reading. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So, well, so from there, uh, he saves her. They hook up. And I thought John was doing a rule of three joke where Tandy Newton says, fuck you twice. And then she fucks him, but he stopped early. He didn't see I... his own joke that he was setting up. But I was like, my boy, he's got it. Uh, but no, so they hook up. <laughs> and then oh, no. after that, <laughs> after that, uh, Ethan goes and he walks through. There's like the Saints party with the, the Saints are now on fire. So we like a small fire in the beginning with in between like Tandy and uh, Tom and then yeah. now we have that huge fire of the Saints when he goes to meet Anthony Hopkins. And then I'll I'll let you take over, John, since you've got the head cannon. But yeah, it's essentially telling me that she's got to go hook up with Ambrose. And they have photos of the plane crash. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's the connective tissue there. So now we're at the Anthony Hopkins scene that you wanted to talk about, John. Yes. So, first of all, Anthony Hopkins... So Ethan Hunt has just formed an emotional and physical connection with Tandy Way Newton, right? And he goes to Anthony Hopkins, and Anthony Hopkins is like, hey, you know that thing that John Voight did with Claire to you in Mission Impossible 1? You have to do that now with this chick that you just kind of like now. You have to send her to seduce another guy who you personally know and don't like. And they, like, do this whole thing where... Anthony Hopkins says, he's impersonated you before, right? And Ethan Hunt is like, yeah, once or two or three times. And then Anthony Hopkins goes, how did you get along? And Ethan goes, we didn't like each other. And it, it kind of circles back around to the beginning where Ambrose was impersonating Ethan. And it's like, it really bluntly draws that they're parallel agents, right? Except that Ambrose is a bad guy and Ethan is a good guy within the same agency doing the same kind of things. 
And now the agency wants Ethan to do shit that Ethan doesn't like morally mm. in sending Tandy Way Newton, whose character name is Naya. Naya. He, he's got to send Naya. And Naya has a history with Ambrose. They've been together because she has a thing for that type of dude, apparently. <laughs> and she left him because he's a dickhead. And so she, he has to not only ask a girl that he likes to go seduce another guy that he doesn't like, but he has to ask a girl that he likes to go seduce a guy that she doesn't like and who she's kind of afraid of. Uh, it's just a super interesting like, emotional, relational setup, and it allows for everybody to be horny all the time. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, giving me GoldenEye vibes with the, 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 the mm. racing, the two lovers uh, racing at the beginning, and then the, um, uh, the, the, the rogue agent. Uh, rogue agent. Oh, that's, that's... I'm thinking of a different... I, I was going to... Rogue agent, that's the name of a movie, but it's not. It's Rogue Nation. I, got, I, almost, I almost looked like an idiot, but I didn't. I haven't seen that movie yet. <laughs> There is a movie good though, or there's a video game though called Goldeneye Rogue Agent. It's a spinoff of the James Bond game Goldeneye. It's very good. I like the well, Rogue Agent's okay, obviously. Uh, mm. Goldeneye, the N64 is really good. All right, it's, um, it's Ethan, classic. On, yeah, I know a lot of people. I'm not afraid to say it. Goldeneye's good. <laughs> All right, here's Sam with more late 90s opinions for you. Um, I would have been great if I was the sage in the 90s. I should have been, honestly. <laughs> Everybody that's this age now wishes they were this age in the night. I would have bought a house. First thing I would have yeah. done. I was like, what are you talking about? You would have been, you could have had so many things and then the world would have collapsed around you, but you might have at least bought some land and stuff. I would have had a house. Yeah. Exactly. I would have lost it in 2008, but I would have had a house for like, I would have had one. Like, <laughs> they, you know what they say? Better to have a house and lose it than to never have one at all. Uh, they say that about other things. They say that about other things. And in my experience, it's not true. Um, <laughs> Ethan assembles his team, computer hacker Luther Stickle. That's from the last guy, or from the last uh, movie. Mm -hmm. um, and helicopter pilot Billy Baird and heads to Sydney while Naya rekindles her relationship with Ambrose. Ambrose meets with Bicycle's CEO, John McCloy. And shows him a video of Chimera infecting him, uh, infecting one of the colleagues before blackmailing uh, McCloy into cooperating with him. So getting the team back together. Luther's back. Got our, our was the helicopter pilot in the last movie? No. For him. Okay, I remember Luther. They replace Renault. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you kind of need a new helicopter pilot, I guess. After <laughs> yeah. The last, last movie. one exploded. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> So uh, anyway, so yeah, what do you got, uh, uh, John? What did you think of the getting the team back together and then Ambrose, uh, you know, with McCloy? You know, uh, I it all functions right. The the getting the team back together, it it's functional, it's fine, but it like really lacks some of the. And this is something that I think is a is a step down from one for all the Mission Impossible movies. The camera work for the exposition. And the like character back and forth dialogue, the just straight one to one kind of stuff, is not quite as inspired as one is. Um, like one has that shot right in the train where, and I talked about this on the last episode we did, where Luther's on one side and then he backs up and you see John Renault and then it pans across and you see um, Claire and then Ethan. 
um, that kind of camera work isn't really into in the in the little back and forth character stuff. Um, and also, I feel like they didn't really get Luther. Like he, it it seems like they were doing a he's gone soft a little bit in his reputableness because he's not disreputable anymore. And so he's not constantly on the run and looking over his shoulder. And so maybe he's gotten a little bit too used to luxury. Uh, like he's constantly talking about like Gucci boots and things like that. Um, and he's not quite as fast on the hacking as he is in one. Um, but it's not really a problem. It's just like, seeing it in comparison with one where they do Luther so well, he's so like interesting and charming and fun is like a little weird. Uh, the helicopter pilot guy, not important really. (laughs) There to do the job. There was a, there was a period where I thought he was going to be a double agent. Like I thought that they were going to rationalize Luther's slower hacking uptake by saying that, the helicopter guy was secretly using like a jamming device or something to mm. fuck them up out on their end. But then they don't do that at all. And so he's just a helicopter pilot guy that's there to help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes a rock is just a rock. I can't, there's a, there's a, I think it's an actual quote. Sometimes a chair is just a chair. I don't know. I'm referencing something. I don't know though what I'm doing, <laughs> what I'm referencing. Alex, uh, do you want to talk about uh, uh, the getting the team back together and blackmailing McCloy? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I agree with John. It's like um, one. I mean, well, I mean, we can talk about this more later. It's like two. Just doesn't know. It doesn't seem to know exactly what to do with Luther Stickle as a character. Like, I like that he's back hanging out with Ethan. He does have mm-hmm. some good moments, some good dialogue. But overall, he's just sort of like, yeah, like toned down a little bit and just not. The movie never felt quite sure what to do with his character outside of like a little bit of comedy here and there but i do like uh like you know going through especially because like after the first movie like ethan we talked about like his father figure betrayed him all of his friends died so it's nice seeing in this one he does have one friend and it's luther you know so it is like as far as like building that character over the course of these movies it's nice to see luther being set up as like someone that ethan still relies on and you know is one of the first to call in when he needs help and then leading into like i do really enjoy like the different um things happening at the horse racing track where Mm -hmm. ambrose is blackmailing mccloy so like you have you know you have the delivery of the earpiece to naya and uh naya and ethan talking from across the way and then realizing that that's going on over here at this different spot and then telling naya to get the you know the envelope from his left jacket pocket <clears throat> and that like that whole bit i think all of that is really good and i love uh whatever we, we were calling him rake but the guy that because earlier <clears throat> uh ambrose's buddy like bef- uh, in in the lead up to going to the horse track, ambrose's buddy is like bro your girl came back but like obviously we can't trust her so like what are you doing and <laughs> ambrose is like yeah i know i probably can't trust her but i am gagging for it so like don't come at me i'm capable of manipulating her said you you just question me so i'm gonna chop part of your pinky off bro like fuck you don't ever come at me like that again 
when I'm trying to get my rocks off with my ex, who I clearly <laughs> am too emotionally invested in. He just like snaps at him. So anyway, so that's the setup that the guy's pinky's all fucked up. And then, so you got, they're doing the thing where Naya has taken the disc and she's going to give it to Ethan. And uh, he's walking through and our uh, Australian helicopter pilot like slams the door on his pinky. And now f- for some reason, we I don't know why, he's got a South African accent instead <laughs> of an Australian accent. Like we were joking about it. It's like, I don't know if he was just doing that because he's like, trying to be undercover or like he got hit so hard that he's just like that upset and now his accent has changed from australian to like <laughs> it sounds like he's in a neil blump camp movie or something it's just like <laughs> where's the loot you're like whoa who's this guy i can't do a south african accent but uh i love all that little stuff and i especially love like the tension between uh ambrose and his like number one dude who like he even says, like, Ambrose says something to him, like, he's like, I know you're not burdened with it, but he's like, he's like, you, he's like, I at least have the burden of caring about sex. He, like, implies that the guy doesn't care. It's like, ah, oh, they just, there's a lot of tension between those two guys as well, aside from the tension with Nye and everything, and it's all great. The, you already mentioned it, but just to echo what you were saying, the pinky cutting off scene. Oh my God. I was, I was like, yeah, that was 10. I had to like, oh, you know, I can't, don't, yeah. I can't look at it. That was so, that was so fucked. Um, that, and obviously it comes back. Go ahead, John. That whole scene, because we kind of moved past it and I forgot that it was even there, but I, it's like my headcanon for that, which isn't related to the fraternal twins thing, but my headcanon for that is that Richard Roxburgh, I think is how you pronounce his name. Raxper, I don't know, yeah. but Rake, which is a reference to an Antidana <laughs> sketch, because Antidana is amazing, plug that shit, but yeah. Rake, uh, uh, I think my headcanon is that he's horny for Ambrose. Oh. That's why he's super, he's like super pissy about uh, um, Naya. Naya, because he actually wants to have sex with Ambrose. But Ambrose wants to have sex with Naya, and so shit, what is his name in the movie? Hugh Stamp is his name yeah. in the movie. Hugh yeah. is like uh, super jealous about <laughs> Ambrose not wanting to have sex with <laughs> <Yeah>. him. <laughs> Everybody's horny, Sam. Yeah, seems the like whole it. movie. The whole movie's horny. It's crazy. But it's a good time. Uh, yeah. I... Need to find my place. Yeah, I got distracted because everyone, I, you were uh, talking about the, the love triangle thing, and I'm like, oh, everybody's horny and mad at each other. And I'm like, I just included like three jokes about my ex in my monologue. But I just, <laughs> um, yeah, like, ah, I'm gonna Mission Impossible 2 references to get back at her. I'm going deep cuts, baby. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Naya steals the memory card uh, the video is stored on and delivers it to Ethan. They learn that Chimera has a 20 hour dormant period before symptoms show. And Bella Bellerophon, thank you, uh, can only save the victim if used uh, within that window. When Naya discreetly returns the memory card, Ambrose noticing notices her mistakenly placing it in the wrong pocket of his jacket. Um, you guys want to say anything about that part before I move on to the next part of the plot? I think that, you know, the whole racetrack scene, right? It... Naya has infiltrated this guy that she doesn't like, and she's had to play along that she's also horny for him to sell that she's there 
for her own reasons and not because she's a plant, right? And then uh, Hugh doesn't like her from the get-go. He's super shitty about it. <laughs> and he's right. Uh, <laughs> and so in the in the horse race scene, Ethan is talking to her. And he's like, you know, he's making contact to give her an update on information. And he's like, I want you to leave immediately. Get out now that we have the this SD card thing that you stole from uh, Ambrose. And Hugh is pursuing them to try and catch them. And so Naya is like super hyped up and amped up because she just barely got away without Ethan getting exposed. And so when she goes to pickpocket it, we've seen her pickpocket it from his pocket without him noticing. But when she goes to put it back, she's a little rushed. And so she not only puts it in the wrong pocket, but he feels it going in. Like you can see him kind of realize what just happened. Mm. And I think it's a really interesting, like the, the failing of the team members is motivated by their actual physical response to how close they were to getting caught. Like how how bad it almost went, um, and I really like that that element of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anything yeah. you want to add, Alex? <clears throat> uh, no, I mean, yeah, I I enjoy all of that stuff, and I do think like I love also like we the seeing what uh, Chimera does. Like it is like just you know you see it, it gets in the blood, the blood gets destroyed, and then, oh, that was uh, really brutal. Scientists, yeah, yeah, it's just like nuts. So I'm glad. That like we, it's not just left kind of vague that like you have twenty hours and then you get sick and you die. That they do like they're like no like this, it's it's horrific. It's real bad. You're gonna get like proper fucked up if if Chimera gets out into the open. My only like nitpick now, but and this is because I lived through a global pandemic, uh, is like, so do you like if you because if you don't get Bellerophone within twenty hours, you're you're fucked. You're just gonna die. But it doesn't seem like anything happens to you in those twenty hours. That's like, what I was wondering. I was like, is so, there like a da so like, residual damage? Yeah. Are you gonna get long? Are you gonna get well, long chimera? Also, how are you gonna know that you're infected with chimera if you don't shoot yourself in the arm with a gun with it? <laughs> and like, because it just seems like if this actually spread, the whole human race is just fucked. Like we're not yeah. getting Bellerophone to anyone. It it like if you caught a cold, would you go to the doctor within twenty hours of doing that if it lasted? No, oh, no. Like, not in America. Yeah, exactly. It's like so. I'm just sitting here watching this as like, all right, so 2000s. You don't know what's gonna happen for <laughs> us in, in but like, I, I I see Chimera and like then later we'll find out that like, oh, we want to have an outbreak so we can increase the stock of this company and become rich. I'm like, you're not gonna become rich. Your care's not gonna mean anything. Everything, everyone's just gonna be dead. <laughs> like, like, unless unless Bellerophone like also inoculates you, it doesn't just cure you. And like, if it is a vaccine, that's the only thing that can happen that will make this worthwhile. But if it just cures you if you're infected, then yeah, the human race is fucked because nobody's going to the doctor within 20 hours. <laughs> Brendan Gleeson is actually yeah. running Umbrella Corporation. <laughs> yeah, they're just just everyone's gonna die horribly. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so that was just, that was my little, my one little note, like, hey, have some symptoms, give us a bigger window. <laughs> show, John, show John Wu, you should have, yeah, you should have, you should have known that within the lifetime of people, like, seeing this movie, a global pandemic would happen, so we, <laughs> we would have notes. <laughs> 
we here at the Film Fan Club show just want to say that we're not doctors. You know, you should exactly. talk to your doctor about anything that you're feeling. And uh, what I hear, what the scientists say is the vaccine is safe and effective uh, when it comes to slowing the spread and preventing hospitalization. But of course, you should always talk to your doctor. We're not doctors. So, all right, Ethan's team, that's just in case, TOS. All right, <laughs> Ethan's team kidnaps McCloy for information and discover that the only Bella Roja... Bellera bomb. bomb. Uh, oh, yeah. They discovered the only samples were taken by uh, Nick Nikorovich and are now in Ambrose's hands. However, Ambrose does not have the virus as he was not aware that Nikorovich injected himself with it. Uh, Ethan plans to break into the bicycle headquarters to destroy the virus, but Ambrose, posing as Ethan, tricks Naya into revealing their plan and is one step ahead. That was that was a that was a tense. For me whenever i was like oh no the bad guy knows and then obviously bringing back the face the face swapping uh thing it didn't seem out of left field because i'm like oh yeah he can do that i guess so uh john what did you think about just kind of setting up the third act of the movie i really like the the parallel right so they have brennan gleason the ceo of biosite and they they've like tricked him into thinking that he's got the Valer- or chimera right and they're in a little hospital and Ethan puts on a mask of the Russian scientist. Yeah, that was rough. He looked the uh-huh. guy, Nick, uh, the the McCloy. Uh, he looked horrible. Yeah, they. I don't know what they did to him to give him those symptoms, but he looked like he had it for sure. I would have given them anything. I would have been like, whatever you need, just oh, yeah. get me out. Please, of I really don't want to die from Chimera. <laughs> yeah. I made it, and I really don't like it. Yeah. Um, but then they parallel that with uh, Ethan. Uh, allegedly, Ethan being on the island, talking to uh, Naya. Yeah, and so we kind of think uh, at first you think, oh, Ethan's here. Who's this doing the the scientist? And then they reveal that the scientist was actually Ethan, and Ethan was actually Ambrose. Yeah, and right. that's it's like a cool little parallel. And also. That, like... Just that hard cut when Ethan takes off the Russian mask to reveal that Ethan's there. And then they cut to, like, them hugging with, like, I mean, it being Tom Cruise looking directly into camera like a maniac evil villain. It's like, <laughs> Yeah. He plays in the, the scenes where Tom Cruise has to play, like, an evil version of himself. He does it very well. Yeah. And, and, well, and he, Tom he... Wu had a lot of practice at getting actors to do that with his masterpiece <laughs> in 1997, Face Off. Face off. I love this. So one thing is that you mentioned that Ambrose doesn't have the virus because he didn't realize that the Russian scientist injected it into himself, right? Nikorovich. If I have to say it, you have to say it. Nikorovich. <laughs> okay. So he he realizes he didn't realize that Nikorovich injected the virus into himself, and so he kills Nikorovich and crashes the plane into a mountain right. because he's. The key difference between him and Ethan is that Ambrose is too eager to shoot his gun off. They literally have a line at some point in the movie, I'm not sure where, where Ethan is like, you were so eager to get your gun off that you fucked up your own plan. (laughs) Um, And then that's like a recurring thing is like Ambrose is so trigger happy and he doesn't like think through everything when the opportunity to shoot somebody presents itself, which... Is kind of like Renault in the first one, but <laughs> uh, uh, there's another element of Ambrose 
when he's impersonating Ethan to talk to Naya, where he so in at the horse race, Ethan is like, "You have to get out. You have to get out of there. I don't want you in there anymore. You've accomplished your objective. Make up an excuse to leave and leave." But then when Ambrose is impersonating Ethan. Ambrose is like, no, you have to stay and do whatever Ambrose tells you because it's important to the mission. And it's this interesting, like, I wonder if John Woo and Tandy Way Newton had it in their head that Naya kind of picked up on that difference or if she thought that Ethan came to the island specifically to tell her, you know that thing I said at the horse race? Uh, we're undoing that because... Bellerophon is, or Chimera is terrifying. <laughs> mm. But I just like that it's like, even when Ambrose is impersonating Ethan, he's good at it, mm. but he can't quite pull it off if you're paying attention. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was very uh, subtle differences. Um, Alex, did you want to say something? Um, I mean, uh, like, along with that, I do think they do a really good job of that type of thing, of like, Ambrose can obviously play Ethan very well, but there are just like little things. And it is like, I think would play in to the idea of, you know, them being like the opposites, you know, connected for a long time, but opposite sides of it. Cause uh, it's like the part John was talking about where he's like, Oh, that's the worst part about playing. you was having to smile every 15 minutes, like some sort of idiot. And Tom <laughs> like, I would have thought I would have been having to resist the earth to just get your gun off. <laughs> like he's just like they're just jabbing at each other the whole time when we finally get them uh together but it is uh i mean it's one of my favorite like, it, it's a high-ranking like double mask reveal as far as like the series is concerned like there's a lot of great mask reveals that are yet to come even in this movie some of my favorites but it does it is one of those where it's like a gut punch when you realize that that's not actually ethan hunt out there to help naya She's just been lied to again. Like, that's one thing. I really like Naya as a character in this movie. But goddamn, is this movie, like, pretty mean to that character. <laughs> like, she's getting gaslit. She's getting run around. She's just... Yeah. All of these horrible things are happening to her. Yeah. Like, she has agency. She's making choices. But still, it's just like, damn. I'm I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, yeah. You, you deserve better, Naya. But, uh... But yeah, she's doing her stuff. best in a world run by people who don't like her. <laughs> yeah. Men. That's right. Fucking life Anthony under Hopkins the patriarchy. <laughs> life under the patriarchy. I didn't know if my joke made it the first time. All right. Ethan destroys all but one sample of Chimera before Ambrose's team engages him in a firefight at a stalemate. Ambrose orders Naya to retrieve the virus, but she injects herself with it instead and begs Ethan to kill her. That was a riveting scene. I was like, oh my God, what's he going to have to do? Ethan refuses and is forced to leave her behind as he flees the facility promising to get her the cure just to pick up on what i was saying yeah i thought that was a very uh dramatic moment which puts the gun up to him or up to or his gun up to her and is like you know what you got to do and i thought for a second he was just gonna because i don't i mean i saw four a long time ago but i don't i haven't seen her in any of the marketing materials for a lot of the other later movies so i was like she could very well die right now didn't know what to happen so but then he doesn't kill her john woos his way out of there you know with all the, the, the flipping and the, the guns you know like yeah, sliding that glass. That was good. Yeah, the, bah, 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 bah. Tom Cruise is so fucking accurate in this movie. Like anytime he <laughs> shoots, like he's the opposite of a stormtrooper. It's just direct hit every single time. Direct hit, direct hit. Um, so that was just a fun 
very fun action sequence. I thought we were going into the third act of the film, or I thought we were going into the climax of the film, but we still got a lot more to go. Uh, but John, what do you think about this this big scene that cul culminates with him uh, leaving Naya behind? She's not I mean, that whole heist is really cool. The I like way the that they too. Yeah. The way that they lead into it is like Ethan is planning his break-in, right? So they, they got to break into this super secure viral pharmaceutical facility to destroy the chimera virus samples so that because Ambrose doesn't have one because he killed Nikorovich. <laughs> Ambrose, doesn't right. have one. Ambrose doesn't have one because he killed Nikorovich. Uh, so he had so they know Ambrose has to break into this facility to steal the virus. So Ethan goes, okay, we're gonna break in and destroy them before he gets there. How do we do it? And so he's planning with Luther and the Billy Billy Baird, the helicopter pilot, they're planning their own entrance, which is to like skydive through a vent that is only open for 40 seconds and then rappel all the way down to the center floor and then descend into the lab and destroy everything without getting caught. And at the same time, Ambrose is outlining his plan to his guys, which are right, Richard Rocks Raxper and um, yes, yeah. just a bunch of goons, right? Because his his team is basically just armed goons. <laughs> and yeah. his plan, like, he's outlining his plan in relation to what he knows Ethan's going to do. There's a line where he's like, he'll try some insane feat of acrobatics before he risks a hair on a guard's head. Uh, and it's... and. Then Ethan immediately says, oh, yeah, we'll just air dive through the vent yeah. down to the center of the building. He um, undoubtedly engaged in some aerobatic insanity before risking a hair on a security guard's head. And then Ethan's like, we're going to jump through that vent right there. I, yeah. I want to do that. <laughs> and it's, it's such it's a so, good... It's so good. And, and it, it really drives home how <clears throat> much Ambrose knows Ethan. And the difference in Ambrose's plan is that he's just going to go in through the front door and shoot everybody. <laughs> oh man. It's so, it's such a good juxtaposition of the two of them being opposites within the same agency. Um, and then the, the scene itself in the lab where they're fighting and stuff is really, you know, it's cool. John Woo action. And then, mm -hmm. Ethan's escape, right, is to blow a hole in the side of the building and do another feat of acrobatic insanity by skydiving out of a building. And I just like that Ethan's escape is possible because Ambrose was like, oh, he'll do an acrobatic insanity to get in, but didn't expect him to blow a hole in the building and do more acrobatic <laughs> insanity to get out. Yeah. <laughs> it is. <clears throat> it is a lot of Fun. And like that again, that that dynamic between uh, Ethan and Ambrose is so well set up in that. And you also get the little moment of like, because so we know as the audience know that uh, Ambrose has already figured out that Naya is working with uh, Ethan, but like Ethan doesn't know that Ambrose knows that yet. And yet Ethan still in that little moment because they don't like each other when they're like talking shit during the gunfight. Uh, Ethan's like. Or Ambrose says something like, "Oh, you're gonna make me a better offer," and he's like, "Bet, bet, no, can't do that. Thirty-seven million. I don't have that kind of money." And he's like, "Ah, someone's been slipping you our mail." And it's like, I don't think Ethan 
in one or later incarnations of the Mission Impossible franchise would ever let slip, like would give information away about a member on his team, you know, like that. Like he might've said, I, I probably can't outbid whatever people are trying to buy that virus for, but he gives the exact number, which then lets him know. So it, it's just, I mean, it's like, it works well with them, like being able to like get each other and like get at yeah. each other, you know, like, I guess as John might say, brothers might, they pick on each other. They know uh. <laughs> what works to piss off the other one. <clears throat> and so, yeah. He does get under Ethan's skin, and then Ethan does reveal that, oh, yeah, I've got someone on the inside. I bet you'll never guess who it is who just showed up <laughs> recently in your life. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, and then we do – and then I really like um, that uh, Naya takes control of, like, her being that chess piece, you know. Like, Ambrose is trying to use the fact that Ethan cares about Naya against him. And, you know, he's obviously ready to just kill Naya because he's, you know, a, the bad guy and somewhat of a petulant man baby about his yeah. feelings getting hurt. Um, but uh, then Naya's like, well, if I am the money, he can't kill me. So she ejects herself and you're like, oh, damn. Like, That's smart. Wow. Yeah. Good job. Also very sad and scary. And then, yeah, I it is. I really like that she also then takes the next step of like, look, this can't get out. You know, you have to kill me because like we both can't get out of here. Yeah. And then we get the classic um, Ethan Hunt thing of like, nah, I don't care what it takes. I, I can, in with in under 20 hours, I can get the cure, find you again yeah. and save your life. Like that's gonna happen. You just hold on. <laughs> yeah. And he blows a hole in the building and he's like, all right, I got 20 hours. <laughs> We've got... A hundred things to do. Let's get going. <laughs> I do appreciate that aspect. Oh, yeah, my camera's gone for the rest of the show, but mm. I think we, we got our use out of it for today. Um, but I do like that aspect of his character where it, he's just like, no matter what, Tom Tom Cruise is, uh, as Ethan Hunt is like, no, I'm going to I'm gonna do this. You know, we're not going to let you die. It's very, I, I appreciate that. It's fun. Yeah, um, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. You can't lose. Ambrose releases Naya to wander the streets of Sydney intending to start a pandemic. That would be bad. Thank God we didn't have to deal with that. He offers to sell Bella Herrera to McCoy in exchange, whatever it's called, to in exchange Bella for Hadid. Stop. Bella Herrera, Bella Hadid. That's funny. That's funny. I should have made that joke and then just kept. Ah, damn it. Ah, okay. Um, where was I? To McCoy in exchange for stock options to make him billions as Bicycle's majority shareholder. Ethan infiltrates the meeting and engages in a fight with Ambrose's right-hand man, Hugh Stamp. Hugh Stamp, by the way, is played by Richard Roxburgh, you mentioned, John. Richard Roxburgh plays the villain in Moulin Rouge. A great movie. I love Moulin Rouge. Um, I like Richard Roxburgh in it. Anyways, so uh, it, Ethan infiltrates the meeting, engages in a fight with the Ambrose's right-hand man, with the latter seemingly winning. He brings a subdued Ethan to Ambrose, who execute him. However, he discovers that Ethan tricked him by having Stamp disguised as him while uh, he stole the remaining samples of Bella Rafa. Enraged, Ambrose and his men give chase after him. So I'm basically talking about the big switcheroo. This is what the whole face thing has been leading to. And I mean, whenever he's, and it's smart because I believed him. He's like, oh, I don't think he can talk because I broke his jaw. And I'm like, I'm oh, damn. I broke his jaw. I know, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. They're like and high... Ambrose yeah. is so horned up for his man Hugh now. He's like, <laughs> I love you, Hugh. 
You just uh, you took down my brother. You broke his jaw. Now I get to just shoot him. He's like, oh baby, I love you, Hugh. And then he actually kills him. Oh, it's so dark. I was like, oh. thank God, a James Bond villain would never, would never just shoot him right there, yeah. point blank. You know? Yeah. I love that. I love that he's just like, fuck you. I'm gonna shoot you to yeah, death. It's like, and then this is getting your gun off, and he just like unloads and <laughs> unloads the clip. Yeah, yeah, and then of course the reveal uh, that he killed his friend, and that's such a baller move for Ethan Hunt to make him kill his friend, his yeah, possibly so like unrequited gay friend. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh my god! It's it's also like kind of a move that I don't think any other Ethan would do. Like, be like, hey, <laughs> you know, like any any of the other movies, I don't think. Ethan is that fucked up to be like, yeah, oh, I'm going to make you kill your best friend. Yeah, this coming right after, he's like, Sandy Newton, I don't care if you're, uh, you know, uh, uh, a yeah. thief or whatever, morally ambiguous, whatever, I yeah. like you, I'm going to come back for you no matter what. This guy, on the other hand, fuck yeah, you. Like, yeah, he's, I'm going to take him in there, not let him talk so that I can steal <sighs> the cure and have his buddy kill him. The last oh, thing that so, guy sees is yeah. his friend fucking killing him. That's brutal, man. That is yeah, so brutal. so brutal. Oh my god. But it is badass. In an action movie where I'm a, uh, yeah, you know, none of this exactly. is actually happening in an action movie. I'm like, oh, that's, yeah. that's fun. You're that's like, fun. Uh, yeah, it's an incredible mask reveal. Both of them. Like, that's good. He rips it off and you see the duct tape on uh, Hugh's face and you're like, oh. And then you yeah. see him running and he's like, Oh, it's so good. John, what do you want to say about that awesome Uh, switcheroo? So much. I have so much. Okay, okay. So, uh, God, where to even begin? Uh, So, Ambrose, the the fucking eye work of, I guess it's, I guess it's, I guess it's Tom Cruise playing Richard Roxburgh it's like with a mask on as yeah. as yeah huge, I get what you're saying. right so like the eye work they do, you know they do a lot of camera shots of letter that are close-ups of Hugh in Ethan's mask looking it, it, it meaningfully trying to express I'm I'm Hugh don't kill me yeah yeah <laughs> uh, it's so like Ambrose is so fucking proud of himself the whole time and uh Ethan is just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so impressive. Uh huh. And then he he shoots him, and he that line he says, "I'll show you getting your gun off," and then shoots him. And it literally is him being too excited to get his gun off to notice the pinky, which is how he he after he shoots yeah. him he sees the pinky cut yeah. and realizes, "Oh, that's my friend. I just killed him." Uh, it's so brutal. To get him to kill the only person that, if we're using my headcanon of everyone being horny, <laughs> the only person that actually liked Ambrose. Yeah, the man. only one that actually liked Ambrose and was like willing to do shit for Ambrose because he wanted to, not yeah. because he was being paid or whatever. Ethan makes Ambrose shoot that guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's so brutal. Oh, man. And, you know, even before all of that stuff, like, before uh, Hugh gets sent out to go chase down uh, Ethan, there's that shot where Ethan blows the door open on their little room that they're negotiating the contract in, 
and this the doorway is wreathed in fire, and this dove, this lit like it's holy, flies through, oh, and even amazing. just walks yeah. across. So good. <laughs> is that like a John Woo thing? Uh, yeah. I mean, the doves yeah. are a John Woo thing for sure. Yeah. Um, the, and the, the two thousands love to oh. make everything explode. So you yeah, know, they get true. everything was going to catch on fire back then. It was such like a beautiful shot of him walking through mm-hmm. with the flames, and the dove, the single dove comes through. And like, oh my god! They they like put the flame in uh, Ambrose's eyes of the door. Like yeah. you just zoom in, so and you see that, and then Ethan walks through, and just like Ambrose is just like shit in his pants. He's like, ah, oh no, my evil plan. <laughs> I also love that the bad guy's plot is to get stock options in the pharmaceutical company. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's, uh, I, you know, one thing I really like about this movie and some of the later ones is how the good guys, you know, the, you know, they, the movie does a good job of juxtaposing how the technically legal pharmaceutical company is just as shitty, really, as Ambrose is. Ambrose is a monster getting his gun off, shooting everybody, wants to release a contagion. But so does Brendan Gleeson and yeah. the Biocyte company. He had the exact same plan. Ambrose just did a hostile takeover to get himself some of the money off of that. <laughs> That's a great point, too. So there's a built-in kind of like ticking clock in that if if she has it for 20 hours without getting Bellerophon, right. she's done for, right? Right. But they even, like, rack up that stake even more because they go, oh, Naya's going to kill herself if, if it gets to 20 hours. Yeah. She's not going to yeah. let herself transmit the virus. She's going to jump off a fucking cliff. <laughs> That's where, where we're at in our plot read, so I'll go ahead. While uh, Ethan is pursued, well, I'm just going to read the last of it, so it's all kind of one paragraph here, so I'll just blast through this last part. Uh, while Ethan is pursued by Ambrose's men, Lily, uh, Luther, and Billy locate Naya, who has wandered to a cliffside to kill herself and prevent an outbreak. Good on you, Naya. Ethan kills Ambrose's men with some help from Luther and beats Ambrose in a brutal fistfight on the beach. Uh, with little time left on the 20-hour countdown, Luther reaches Ethan at the beach and Ambrose tries one last time to shoot Ethan, but this is also ridiculous. Then Ethan throws the cure to Luther and dodges away before kicking up the pistol from the sand, fatally shooting Ambrose. He just doesn't miss. Luther injects Naya with the, uh, just in time. The IMF clears Naya's criminal record and Ethan starts a vacation with her in Sydney. I've always wanted to go to Australia. Um, so yeah. Uh, I was a little let down by the the ending climax after the tr- the badass train heist uh, in the last mm. movie. I was like, all right, we're really just roll just driving around on dirt bikes. You know, uh, it was fine. It was good. I think, but the real uh, interest comes whenever just the brutality of the two of them going at it on the beach, obviously mm-hmm. against the backdrop of Naya almost dying. But Alex, what do you think of our finale here in the last confrontation? Um, I mean, yeah, like what. The train scene in the first Mission Impossible, it just slaps. It's so good. It's yeah. so tense. It's so, like, all the little beats going on. This doesn't have quite that same, like, ooh, crazy little thing, next, next, next. But it is, it's still fun. So, like, I love that because uh, Ethan switched with uh, Hugh, that now he's in a leather jacket, you know, looking all cool. Looks great, yeah. Yeah, he, you know, he climbs sunglasses. up there. Yeah. You know, people are coming after him. He's about to get on a helicopter again. 
But then they come start shooting, and then he drops down, and he shoots shoots cans labeled hazardous waste, and those explode in a huge fireball for <laughs> yes. some reason. Of course, just <laughs> <of> door. <laughs> I love in real life it would just like there would be a bullet hole, and then water would start leaking out, yeah, and like chemicals <laughs> or something. But no, <laughs> but instead it's huge Boom. explosion. Yeah. Huge explosion, love it. And then he like knocks a guy off a motorcycle, puts sunglasses on, and then. <laughs> takes off and it's just like you know great so they're they're going around yeah they uh we get some fun little like luther moments where he's like oh i'm mad now and pulls like a grenade launcher out as opposed to just the machine gun he had to take out the bad guys <clears throat> but then what what i do like about the motorcycle chase is like we get a fun john woo thing he seems to love like uh having people like slide on their like nice shoes on either water or concrete or something like ethan jumps off the motorcycle and hides on the other side while it's still going like sliding yeah. on the ground and in face off we have nick cage like barefooting in his loafers on the side of a speedboat i was just like man john woo he loves he loves this bit but uh <clears throat> the other thing that i really love is so like ambrose is following him on the red motorcycle after tom has done a bunch of clever things to get the other guys to get hit by trucks and crash and explode. Uh, like Ambrose is following him and he's just firing, firing, firing. And Ethan's like a little bit in front of him missing. And then Ethan like pulls out his gun looking in the side mirror, like fires like two shots. And then one of those destroys, like hits Ambrose's motorcycles. Like you're just, yeah, like you said, Ethan can't miss in this movie, but also it's just so sick, especially like comparing the two of them. Like Ambrose is just, blasting everywhere with stormtrooper aim and ethan's like bro come on watch hold on wind speed (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's so it's so much fun and then it is it is still silly it's like so melodramatic that i kind of love it but they like ride motorcycles at each other and then jump off those motorcycles and the motorcycles explode and they collide and then fall off a cliff almost <laughs> like land down in the beach to just have what is like a, a, a good fight because they are just fucking each other up and also uh that shot with the knife on tom cruise's eye like that is nuts because that's like real i mean I'm, I'm sure it's not as sharp a knife as possible but like that was you know real thing millimeters away from tom cruise's real eye which is just he's a crazy person but like every time still i'm like Oof, be careful. <laughs> Shit. That's, ah, man. But yeah, and then the whole, uh, I mean, it is, it's silly, but like kicking the, throwing the thing, kicking the gun, grabbing the gun, falling, shooting. Ah, it's like, it like, it's like cheesy, but it like wraps back around to being good again. It's just like, I'm just like no fucking way. He was yeah. so dead. This one did this one did break my plot yeah. armor that we talked about in the last one yeah. where like it felt earned. This one was like no, he just he would have been shot to death if he is not right. right. This one, yeah, it this one definitely got into like oh, we're just very cool. Nothing can ever go wrong really for Ethan. It's just minor inconveniences and reasons to like punch a wall cuz you're upset. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. but yeah but i still i i find myself having you know the first time through was like ah it does slow down a little bit but again when i was able to rewatch it last night i was like nah i still i like i like it a lot it's not I, as good as the first one but no so i do think it drags a little bit i think that it kind of has like two finales you know with the big blowout mm-hmm. at the 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 base before this mm-hmm. that leads into the, the the chase and then even even kind of like like i was saying earlier having 
where, when he has has to abandon Tandaway Newton and mm-hmm. promise to come back and cure her, that felt almost a little bit like a climax too. So I was like, oh, we kind of have like, like the climax is like almost split into three parts. It feels like so by the time we do get to the beach, even four if you count the beach, you know, like uh, right. it, it's like by the time we get there, I'm like, oh, okay, all right, guys, come on. So um, finish la- the move. Let's finish the movie, but even and, and, and that says something too because the I think the the first movie was longer, but like no, this like, one is longer. Really, I thought the first mm-hmm. mo- for, for some reason I thought the first movie was like two twenty or something, but I guess I'm wrong. You can feel the added runtime. Then it makes it. Mm-hmm. I I admit I'm wrong, John. You don't need to com- you don't need to <laughs> confirm it. Well, I'm curious if it, if that's true. Um, well, I'm pretty sure the first one's like an hour fifty. And this one's like two twelve. You can feel no. This one's two o three. Two o three. But hour fifty okay. is dead on for one. Yeah. Okay. You could feel the extra ten, thirteen extra minutes uh, in this movie. But anyways, so just say all that. All that's to say, I do like the first one more. Uh, John, have we talked about uh, to you about the climax yet? Do you have to, uh, what do you have no, to say? No, I about mean the ending. I... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to throw that to me again, or should I just go? John, what do you have to say about the ending? <laughs> I just want me to do your work. You you do editing. (laughs) Never mind. Never mind. I'm just gonna go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, uh, I really like the motorcycle chase. I really like. I mean, I like all the action in this. I. This is when I watched it in college. The melodrama of the action. Is definitely it pulled me out of it, you know. But rewatching it now, I love it. I like especially so my head cannon right now that we're at the end of the movie. I, I'm gonna just lay it out. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins is Ethan Hunt and Sean Ambrose's dad. The <laughs> the he he had both of them with Ethan Hunt's mom, but then he was like, I gotta get the fuck out of here because I'm a misogynistic badass super agent. So he goes and leaves, and the whole, your dad died of a lengthy, you know, whatever, cancer or whatever it is they imply it is, that was a cover to fake the death of Anthony Hopkins so he could become a more effective IMF chief, right? Then he took Ambrose with him because he was like, Ambrose is the meaner, shittier son, and so I can make him into a better agent and train him up to be a badass. But he lived with them long enough that Ethan also was kind of a badass. But Ethan got to maintain the maternal relationship with his mom, so he's not as gun-happy and shitty. And Anthony Hopkins, we get a line when he's talking to Ethan that says that because Ethan was on vacation and he didn't tell him where he was going, Anthony Hopkins had to send in Ambrose to impersonate him. Because I don't know if we mentioned this, but Ambrose went to talk to Nokovich specifically because he was sent by the IMF to bring him in. And that's why he was impersonating Ethan. And then he went rogue for the money. Uh, And I think that's because their dad, Anthony Hopkins, was always like, Ugh, Ambrose, why can't you be as good of a spy as your brother Ethan? He's he's better than you. I always send him on missions first unless he can't be there. But th- and then I use you to fill in. And Ambrose was like, I'm tired of your shit, Dad. I'm taking <laughs> this shit on my own. And then and then they both 
like the same girl, right? They both like Naya. Yeah. And so that adds a whole extra layer of not only is Ambrose horny, but he also is pissed off that she likes his brother more than him. <laughs> and he knows that she likes his brother more than him because when he poses as Ethan, she's like, oh, Ethan, thank God you're here to take me away. And he's like, God damn it. She not only is she being handled by Ethan, but she's into Ethan. That's an extra insult on top of it. Why can't I get out of the shadow of my dick brother? And then they have to fight each other at the end after Ethan makes him kill the only person that actually gives a shit about. <laughs> Ethan, it, their fraternal twin brother dynamic is brutal. Uh, and, you know, Ambrose is a villain, obviously, because he likes killing people. But it's, I get it. <laughs> his relationship with his brother and his dad is all fucked up and he never had a mom <laughs> John is there anything else about the the, the, the wrapping up the Tandaway Newton storyline that you want to talk about the fight on the, the beach I, I think you just kind of talked about your theory a little bit is there anything else about the finale that you want to touch on before we summarize I think that that fight on the beach is really well done it's super melodramatic and you know full of slow-mo and like there's one point where Ethan punches Ambrose and then it cuts and we see the same punch again with the same like sound effect that like yeah. really drives home how strong of a punch it was, which is uh, hilarious and also effective if you let it be effective and you don't go, oh, that was the same punch. <laughs> uh, but I think like it really like, I don't know, it's just super dramatic the whole time. It's ridiculous. It's over the top. He kicks a gun up out of sand, <laughs> catches it while he's falling, spins around, lands on the ground, and shoots Ambrose like I in hated the face. That. It's ridiculous, but it's also yeah. fucking hilarious. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I thought though, uh, I thought that Ambrose was actually not shooting at Ethan. I thought Ethan was gonna do that crazy fall and shoot Ambrose, and then turn to look at the helicopter. And Naya was going to be shot. Because I thought that. Ambrose was going to be like, if I can't have her, nobody can have her. Fuck you. They <laughs> but they didn't do that. Just to have yeah. some consequences. Like, okay, Ethan has plot armor. But, like, at least, like, something. He, he, there were some consequences. This just does yeah. feel like, like, it, like it, yeah. It's, and anything is just a mild inconvenience. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's if, if we work with my headcanon, right, of the fraternal <laughs> twins thing, <laughs> then that means that in number two, so in number one, he has to kill his mentor, right? In number two, he has to take on the position of his mentor and send a woman that he likes in to seduce a man that he doesn't like. And then he has to kill his own brother. And so there's a lot of like, I, I don't, that none of that is obvious or stated in the movie because my <laughs> headcanon is uh, absolutely my imagination running wild with me. <laughs> <laughs> It adds a shitload of subtext to the movie. It's like watching the prequel Star Wars movies with the headcanon that Obi-Wan and Anakin and, uh, um... Obi-Wan and Anakin are hooking up. Ooh, wow. <laughs> I should watch it with that headcanon. Yeah. But uh, uh, that Obi-Wan and Padme are actually secretly hooking up the whole time. And that's why there's, like, that hesitation. It, it, yeah. it adds subtext to a movie that doesn't have that subtext in its own literal interpretation but it just makes the whole thing more interesting
did we summarize the movie already? I think we just kind of talked about it, and we talked about it at the beginning kind of summaries. But do, do you guys want to give a final recommendation, a final verdict or anything you want to add, Alex? Uh, I mean, again, this is, if you, I mean, I guess, if you're a fan of the Mission Impossible franchise, you've seen this movie already. Uh, if you like the first one, this one's still good. It's just very different, you know, if you're trying to catch up on all of them with us before the seventh one comes out. This one is the most different from the rest. But it's still, it's a lot of fun. Very John Woo, so you're going to get slow-mo doves. Obviously, we talked about all these things. But it uh, it still, you know, builds on the character of Ethan. And if you're following John's headcanon, it's probably even more fun to watch. So go into it realizing that uh, Anthony Hopkins is Ethan and Ambrose is dad. And that Ambrose, it, it somehow, a- I, <laughs> yeah, I... I just John's headcanon also just makes me feel worse for Ambrose now. <laughs> We're talking about how Ethan made him kill his best friend and potentially, you know, the only person who ever cared about him. Yeah, that's fucked. What do you think yeah, about like that way? Just, just like, oh man, I feel bad for this guy. He is a dick and was gonna try to murder so many people just to get rich. But still, oh, he's had a rough life. No one should have proud of him our upbringing. Yeah, uh, uh, John, still make uh, choices. That's How true, that's true. Bags of popcorn, and uh, would you give this, uh, Alex? Oh, oh, oh yeah, sorry, I want to hear Alex. Five bags, easy, thank you. Easy okay. five bagger, obviously. All right, and John? And uh, two little motorcycles with sunglasses. <laughs> there you go, that's what I was waiting for. John? Uh, you know, I said it at the beginning, but I like kind of love this movie for totally different reasons than I love the first one. I mean, and, you know, the second one, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but this, this second one has some, like, connective tendon issues that aren't, they're not really issues, but compared to the connective tissue of the first movie, it's not quite as unique and, you know, um, inspired as the first one is. But it's still super good, and it has, like, the melodrama isn't really in the first one. The first one is super tense, and, you know, it's like a subterfuge espionage spy thriller thing, but it doesn't quite... I mean, the melodrama of the beach fight scene is uh, off the charts. <laughs> like, uh, it, uh, it's ridiculous. Um, and if you if you're into that kind of stuff, it's awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think this movie's sick. <laughs> I'm looking think, forward. Oh, go ahead, John. I think everybody in it is doing such a good job too. Yeah. I mm-hmm. don't know. Like, there's nobody that I was like that actor's phoning it in. They didn't really do a whole lot for the Australian helicopter pilot guy, but that's not his fault. That's just them needing to have a helicopter pilot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes a chair is just a chair. Um, I'm excited. I do like I do like seeing how each one is kind of almost like a you know like a filmmaker study a little bit. Like here's how how a Brian De Palma Mission Impossible would look. Here's how a John Woo Mission Impossible would look. Get to see uh, the person who fucking killed my childhood do a Mission Impossible movie next with J.J. Abrams. He's, he directs the next one, right? Yep. Yeah. Fuck and Alex guy. Kurtzman wrote it. Yeah, the guy who, who ruined Star Trek for so many people. And I think mm-hmm. Alex Kurtzman, did he write The Amazing Spider-Man 2? Maybe. I, I th- was it the was it Roberto Orsi and Alex Kurtzman together? Or was it just oh, Alex man. Kurtzman? I do not remember. Oh, God. Sam, while well, we all way, Google it. Way to get derailed. <laughs> no, you oh, can I'm, edit I'm, it out. I'm looking yeah. at Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> I fucking... Hate that shit. <laughs> you can just cut this down. Right Alex Kurtzman did Kirkman. write 
Alex yeah, Gerson, Roberto Orsi, and Jeff Pinkner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man 2 sucks. So I don't I don't know how high my hopes are for the third one, but I'm really excited to get to the fourth one. I've seen the fourth one, but I don't remember it really well. But I remember a lot of people talk about the fourth ones where the series just really kicks into high gear and just really finds its groove. So I'm looking forward to that uh, with the added context of seeing the first. Well, by then we'll have seen three, but, you know, having seen mm-hmm. two now. So uh, next uh, time we discuss, we'll be talking about Mission Impossible 3. That's it. I'm going to end the show now. Bye, guys. Bye.